Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is the man who played 20 seasons in the National Hockey League for the St. Louis Blues, Calgary Flames, Toronto Maple Leafs, New Jersey Devils, Chicago Blackhawks, Buffalo Sabres, and Montreal Canadiens. He was a 7th round selection, 134th overall of the Blues at the 1982 NHL Draft, recorded 1,414 points in 1,474 games in the NHL between 1983 and 2003. Two-time All-Star, a member of the Calgary's 1989 Stanley Cup Championship team, won the Frank J. Selkie Trophy as the NHL's best defensive forward in 90. 1993. Internationally, he represented Canada three times during his career and was a member of the Ni- nation's 1987 Canada Cup championship team. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame in 2011. His uniform, number 93, is retired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He also has a division named after him in the FCHL. It is a pleasure to welcome the man they kill- called Killer, the one and only Doug Gilmore to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Killer. How you doing? Hey, Mark. How are you, man? Anytime we can talk hockey, I'm doing great, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, uh, listen, this is going to be great when the playoffs start here. It's going to be kind of unique. Um, I think everybody's got a shot at this. Yeah. Uh, it, the te- it's the been teams so- are young, uh, players are young, and wow, it's going to be exciting. It is so interesting. I've been able to be on these Zoom conference calls every day with the Rangers, and everyone's very excited to get to it. And it seems like you know the two weeks seems almost too long in some respects. So let's talk about your great career. You played three seasons of junior hockey for the Cornwall Royals under Bob Kilger, who is the father of NHL or Chad Kilger, who was about four years old at the time. What were some of the things you learned from Coach Kilger, and what was it like 18 years later to play with his son as a teammate? Yeah, he was kind of unique. Uh, Bob Kilger, um, believe it or not, was an NHL referee. Um, and then he got into politics when he came back to uh, Cornwall, and he uh, coached our team. And really good guy, and I had a chance to play with Chad again. Chad was like four years old, hanging around the team and stuff. And it was, uh, you know, kind of surreal. Like, junior, again, I, I've been a part of it with, uh, with Kingston for 11 years uh, previously, but it's such a, a fast time and three years sounds like a long time, but it's not. And, you know, probably 3% of the kids go to the NHL from there. So it was, it was, it was a, a great thing that uh, I had a chance to obviously Bob coach me and then uh, play with his son in Chicago. You know, the Cornwall Royals are only one of seven teams to win consecutive Memorial Cup championship. You're a member of their championship team in 1981. That roster featured future NHL superstars Dale Howarchuk and yourself. Both of you later coached in the OHL, as well as future NHL coaches Scott O'Neill and Mark Crawford. So I guess the question here is that, that chicken or the egg. Um, that's a pretty high hockey IQ quartet there. Did you guys already have that hockey knowledge at that early age, and was that one of the reasons for the team's success, or did your time with the Royals and Coach Kilger give you the four, that hockey foundation that gave you the skills to later coach? Well, you know what? I, I think it's um, the hockey IQ as far as Dale Howardchuck. Um, you know, we had, you said you had Mark Crawford, Scott O'Neill. We had Fred, Fred Boimstruck that was a first-rounder to uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Freddie Archer, who's a doctor now, he, he was drafted by Philly. And, 
you know, I, we we go into that season, and I'm, you know, 16 years old or 17 years old, sorry, and it's just it's so unique that you play with these great players. And Dale and I played against each other um, since we were five years old, six years mm-hmm. old. Um, again, from Kingston, Ontario. Um, again, that's where Don Cherry's from for us. <laughs> it's like, um, but it, it's just like you learn from everybody. And when, you know, seven teams and 20 years playing, you take good notes and you take bad notes. <laughs> New school is not old school. Um, so you, you learn real quick. Interesting. So you have three years of junior hockey for the Cornwall Royals on your resume, which includes a Memorial Cup championship in 81. 82-83, you're named the most outstanding player in the OHL after you scored 177 points, one of the highest totals in league history. But when we mentioned it in the intro, you were a seventh-round draft selection, 134th overall of the Blues at the 82 NHL draft. You look back at that draft. Of the 133 players picked ahead of you, 45 players never made it to the NHL. Only three players from that draft played more games than you, all of them in the Hall of Fame, Dave Anderchuk, Phil Housley, and Scott Stevens. So as someone who has spent time in player development, when you look back on that draft and the fact that even though you were eligible for the 81 NHL draft, you went unselected and returned to Cornwell, what's, what were you able to, you know, and what you were able to accomplish in the NHL, what's the lesson to be learned there for other franchises and player development? Well... Mark, you know, you got to understand, I was a smaller player, and um, yes, I had a lot of points my last year. Um, I was 155 pounds my first year, and we played in a league that was a lot different. It was mean, it was big. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just different, but, but you learn, you survive, and media said I was too small. Um, scouts said I was too small. So there's one saying that I live by was a player shows what he is, or sorry, a person shows what he is by what he does with what he has. And I live by that quote. And it's like, anytime the media says I'm too small or whoever, I'm going to prove them wrong. So it was actually a, you know what, I was blessed to play the game, but I was also blessed to understand that, you know what, these people are counting me out. I'm going to make sure they know. And... Again, when I played, I, I did things that were bad, but it, it was survival. It was totally different than it is now. And so if somebody hit me, I'm coming back at them. And whether I turn my stick upside down in a little pushing match and I push in their face or in their neck, it happens. And it's little things that you have to understand. And there was so much respect in those days, guys, because if, if you did something wrong, there's a bench clearing brawl or a five on five on the ice. So again, it's old school, but at the same time I had to survive and I had the skill set. but at the same time I go to St. Louis and Jacques Demers says to me, can you check? Well, I said, I got my contract in my basement framed. It's um, 65 pro and 23 minors. And it's like, yeah, I'll check. <laughs> so, uh, again, we had on that team, you had Federico, um, Blake Dunlop, Mike Zooks, Larry Patey, L.A. Lemieux, which is Mario's brother, which had a lot of skill, too. So I got to try to make this as a 20-year-old. And you know what? I had the best opportunity because Jacques Demers gave me that opportunity. 
I, I played against the best players every game. Gretzky, Marcel Dion, Denny Savard, the list, list goes on. I get to play against these guys. I'm not in a power play. I get it. But I get to play against these guys. And it was uh, a great learning experience. I think that's why I survived as long as I did. It's interesting that you mentioned, you know, you, you have to do what you have to do with what you've got. And, you know, over the course of the 15-plus years of doing the show and, you know, being in NHL locker rooms, it's interesting because I remember Marty St. Louis, Theo Fleury, some of the guys that were smaller kind of played with a chip on their shoulder because they were overlooked because of their size. How much was that a motivating factor for you to sh- say, listen, I have the talent and nothing's going to stop me? Well, Theo, when we won the Stanley Cup in 89 in Calgary, Theo was a rookie. Uh, Marty St. Louis, um, I was somewhere else when he came in. So, again, you, you set your own time frame, how you get there and how you do it. And from checking for three years to getting the opportunity to go offense, okay, things change. And I hope that you know what? Again, Theo was a teammate, a great kid. And um, Marty, you know what? Calgary lost him, and he goes on and becomes the MVP. So we can do it. And, again, the game's changed where the smaller guys are involved. And you look at defense, everything, right. whether it's crew or um, you go down the roster. And it's like in, in, my, sorry, in Toronto here, like Mitch Marner pretty much my size, maybe a little bit heavier, but not much when I came in the league. But it's all about skill now, and it's it's actually fun to watch. Um, back in our days, you know, you would, I'd say, you know what, if you're going down the ice, it's like um, water skiing behind a 10-horse Merc, because you're, <laughs> everybody's holding you, you can't go anywhere. Right. And I didn't have, I didn't have the speed, like I had speed but I didn't I wasn't the fast guy out there I had the talent but at the same time you know what these guys are big and strong and you know some fans will say the players are bigger now no they're not and some of these guys that were so big and plus 220 230 pounds is like yeah we weren't as fast don't forget we had a red line so (laughs) everything changes as as time goes on so for me just to be a part of it in a different way. It was, um, you know, playing the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I saw it all blossom and different. And, you know, I don't have regrets, but it would have been cool to play in this day. (laughs) You know, which you're right, because, you know, you take a look at that Calgary Flames team, and it makes it even more impressive, that Stanley Cup, because you had Theo, you had Joe Mullen, you had Hawk and Lube, you had Brad McCrimmon, and both of your goalies and yourself, all of them were under six foot. So, you know, you well, talk about that. That's, our, our, de- our defense, too. Don't forget, yeah. Al McGinnis, Gary Suter, um, Rick, well, all the, and the, uh, the big guys. And, like, Brian McClellan was a part of that team, the GM of Washington. And he, he had a big part of that as well. So, it, uh, yeah, we were, we were smaller, but we were big. And it, uh, again, so many great memories, guys, that I, I can, it's, I reflect back at, and that now that, in Canada anyways, the classic games are on, and 
I get to watch these games that I've never watched before. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So tell me about that moment when you first get to touch the Stanley Cup. Do you remember who handed it to you, and, and what went through your mind the second you got to skate with the Cup? I never skated with the Cup. They never gave I, uh, I never skated with the Cup. Uh, by the time it was going to get to me, I was exhausted. <laughs> and I, I went, I just followed everybody. And again, I never touched a cup on the ice. Oh. Um, had a team pitcher, went in the dressing room. And then when it was my turn, I had my dad beside me. And uh, that was the most important. Nice. All right, let's go back to your rookie season. And you mentioned that you were you know, on the, the checking line that Jacques Demers used you on. Yet you still scored 25 goals, 53 points, really nice rookie season. It's also the season where teammate Brian Suter gives you a nickname that would later morph into the nickname we all know you by. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the <laughs> genesis and the history of the killer nickname? Well, Brian Sutter was, uh, obviously all the Sutter brothers, there's five of them that played in the NHL. And, but Brian, to me, was uh, probably pound for pound one of the toughest guys I've ever played with. And he, uh, he taught me how to compete. He taught me how he taught me how to lose so meaning when you lose you take it home with you and sometimes that's bad but you know what that's how he taught me he called me Charlie and uh, I couldn't figure out why but I was 155 pounds at a mullet and uh, I looked like Charlie Manson so that's where killer came from Unbelievable. So what was the transition like when you had scored 177 points in your junior's career and then were barely, you know, being signed with a team that drafted you? So what was it that, that gave you the confidence to push through and know that that rookie wall or whatever you were dealing with at that point, you could still have a successful, you know, 20-year NHL career? Well, it's a, it's a quite a story there because um, St. Louis Blues were for sale at the time. Rolson Perino owned it. And... Um, I had, I don't have a contract, and we're coming into August, mid-August. And uh, my agent set me up with uh, a team in Dusseldorf. And so I went over there, and I trained for two weeks. And they wanted to sign me. And um, Harry Ornes uh, bought the team in St. Louis, and they hired Ron Caron. And my agent said, uh, do not sign any paperwork over there whatsoever. And I came back from Germany, mm -hmm. and I was St. Louis, and uh, again, it was, you know, it was, it, it's, it's crazy, like, how I go back and look at it, because St. Louis, we were a pretty good team, and I, when I signed with them, then three years later, we trade Joey Mullen to uh, um, Calgary, because he wanted $200,000, and so, again, the process that you go and my contract, if I played 50 games, I'd be on a one-way contract. So no matter what, I'm making 65 grand. So it was, like, again, just blessed to play the game and to play in the NHL and to succeed. You don't play to go in the Hot Hall of Fame. You play to win and to make the team. And I wish everybody had the opportunity that I went through. So it's uh, it was fun. Um, it wasn't easy, but... At the same time, uh, it was I was so happy to play in St. Louis for five years. And, and that trade, obviously, is what, you know, still, it's it's so funny how all these years later, it's still always the same story that 
you win with depth at center. And you look at that Calgary team with Otto and, and of course, with Mess. Those, those you know, battles were legendary, but then Neuendijk and you um, were such a key in winning that Stanley Cup. You're traded to Toronto by Calgary, a huge trade at that time. You solidify your rep as a tenacious defensive forward, and on offense, you're the focal point of that improving Toronto Maple Leafs team, setting a franchise record 127 points in your first full season with the Leafs. You become the only, the second Leaf after Daryl Sittler to register over 100 points in a season, led the team within a game of the Stanley Cup final, placing second in the playoff scoring and leading the league with 25 assists. You placed second to the great Mario Lemieux in the race for the Hart Trophy as the league's most valuable player. But here's which is just incredible. You won the Selkie Trophy as the top defensive forward, which is a remarkable achievement for a player with such offensive numbers. What was it about the late, great Pat Burns system that brought out the best in your two-way game? Well, again, I think the two-way game, don't forget what I explained to you earlier about St. Louis. Jacques Demers taught me how to play defense. Um, and I could play against anybody. I had, in St. Louis my fourth year, I had 105 points or 106 points, whatever it was. So, I knew, personally, I, I wanted the skill, but I didn't get the chance. And then I get to, uh, I get to Toronto and uh, Pat Burns, um, we have a meeting, and he said, you want to survive, you want to do everything that is the right way, you have to be the best player in practice every day, and all these guys will follow you. And so, you know, it took me, you know, games and games and different practices and arguments with the coach and everything else. But at, at the most part, it, what a great man he was, a good friend, um, teacher, and taught me how to compete more important. So... Hang on one second. I got to turn my car back on. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm hot. <laughs> and, and it's it's one of those. I'm just sitting in the, my driveway, but I got my kids outside arguing. So, um, <laughs> so um, Pat Burns again. I honestly can say um, he helped my career so much, and as everybody did. Throughout my career, as I said earlier, Brian Sutter taught me how to compete every game, to be into it, and do it the right way. And then Pat just solidified that, saying, you come to work, you better work hard. And what what else can I say? And I know Pat, you know what, he passed away before he got Hockey Hall of Fame, but he won the Cup in Jersey, and we had a reunion um, a couple years after that when he was battling his first stage of cancer, and he said, we're back at uh, Scotiabank now in Toronto with all the guys that were that were there, and he goes, we had dinner, and he spoke, and he just said, this is my favorite team. Because you know what? We were underdogs. You guys believed in my system, and you know what? Every one of you guys were leaders. Not one person wins without your team. So... Um, yeah, what a great man he was. So, I'm, and again, I wish I had the chance to say congrats and present him with the you know, Hall of Fame uh, trophy uh, plaque. Sorry, and um, I saw him before he passed away, and he was frail, and um, you know what? Unfortunately, cancer beat him. 
And you know what? I, I think in, in this generation, he really doesn't get the props he, he, he deserves. And you mentioned this, that he actually taught you. I mean, he was a defensive-minded coach, but he didn't sacrifice you know, offense because of defense. You take a look at this generation of coaches, and, and I've seen it here in New York, where you know, Torts might have been blamed for stifling some of the offensive creativity of his forwards because it was always you know, defense first and get back on defense. But yeah, and even with with the Devils, you take a look at Jacques Lemaire uh, those years as well. But you know, Pat was able to. Well, sum- you know, Mark, I, I'm going to tell you right now. I got traded from Toronto to Jersey, and Jacques Lemaire said, "This is what you do," and it's pretty much Red Rover. Just stay here, <laughs> let that come to you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and I might have had 85 points that year, whatever. My half season, I don't know what I had, but um, or quarter season, and then a full season. But you know what? What a great team! Obviously, one of the best goaltenders in the world. Um, the leadership there was crazy good. And um, again, I was only there a year and a quarter. But Jacques Lemaire's program, you had you had to skate in practice to keep your conditioning because for some reason. It's just like, I don't know, technically, probably the best coach I've ever had. And he just said, it's what we're doing. <laughs> I'd, I'd play a game. And again, playoffs are different, but regular season, I'd play a game. And it was actually, you play 17 minutes, 16 minutes, and you weren't tired. And and as, as defensive Jacques Lemaire was, I played defense on the power play with Scott Niemeyer. And... I made moves at you know at blue line or red line that I shouldn't be doing, <laughs> and Jacques Lemaire said, "I love that. Keep doing that." And but I'm a defenseman now on the power play, so it was it was kind of unique and different. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, Lou, a good friend. Um, you know, obviously I went to Chicago after that. The the story on that was. Like, I could have stayed in, in Jersey as players go, take as much as you can, and, you know, because other players will get the same kind of thing. But I got a call from Bill Wirtz and uh, Bob Holford. But uh, it's July 2nd, and it's like, hey, we're going to sign Brett Hull. He's going to wear his dad's number. We want, want you to be a part of it. I contemplated it. I said, okay, good. And then two days later, Brett Hall signed with Dallas. <laughs> so um, I'm like, okay, that's a lot of good communication. And Bob Murray was a GM, and Bob's from Kingston, my hometown, and I knew Bob, and I'm sure, yeah, I want to play here. Chelly's there, everything else, and Brett Hall coming. I played uh, half a season with Brett Hall in uh, St. Louis. So it's just um, crazy things happen. And again, I always say I got no regrets, but it's something that. Uh, you know, you you listen to certain people, and, and sometimes it's not the right decision. So, um, but again, it's uh, it's something that I enjoyed and I persevered and, and went with. So you, here in New York, we view the Rangers as a team that has so much pressure put on them. Obviously, the the long drought. You lived in the hockey fishbowl of Toronto during the Maple Leafs back-to-back runs to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs in the early '90s. 
How much added pressure is it to play where the fans eat, drink, sleep, Toronto Maple Leafs hockey? And how much of that do you think factors into the similar drought that they're, they're now going through just as the Rangers did? Well, um, guys like Mess and other players before him in New York, you, you, don't walk, you don't walk away from pressure, you accept it. You just be better and play. So that was my biggest thing to the markets that I played in. Toronto, Calgary a little bit, Montreal a little bit, but Toronto the biggest one. You accept the pressure. It's all on you. Go play. And you know what? The people that are going to help you out, and again, as I say, help you out, I mean the players. Coaches are going to put them with you, but your teammates, everything else, are the guys that you live and die by. So you're inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame 2011, October 15, 2016. You're number 93, retired by the Maple Leafs. Looking back on everything you accomplished in your hockey career, what's the one thing you're most proud of? And conversely, what's the biggest disappointment you had in the game? Well, I think I'm going to go back to the first or the last question. Disappointment is when I got traded back to Toronto from Montreal. And the injury. Pretty much going to be my last year, so my 20th year. My first game in Calgary where I played um, first shift in the second period, uh, blew my ACL and MCL out, and uh, I never played another game. So that's probably the, the worst thing. Yeah, I was hurt many times at different things, but not like that. Um, one of my proudest moments was my first game, um, 87 Canada Cup. Um, Stanley Cup winning goal, 89. Mm-hmm. Playing in Toronto for five and a half years. Um you know, it, it just, uh, the list goes on. And, like, the, the opportunity that I had and my teammates that I'd met along the way, um, friendship to this day. And, um, again, I just wish, like, I wish my boys could have done it. My boys, um, Jake, he uh, finished university this year in uh, Canada. And my younger guy, he's playing in Geneseo D3, which is uh, by Rochester. And, you know, they won the championship this year in the Frozen Four. They got shut down because of uh, coronavirus. But I wish they—I wish everybody could live what I went through in the hockey world. Not the bad things. You know, I'm not losing teeth, not <laughs> taking the punishment and everything else. But the chance of friendship and like how to work hard every day, and it was just something that—it's uh, a—it was a dream come true. And again. My my brother played um, seven years in the American League, and he's 13 years older than I am, so he's like 25 now. That's my story. So he's uh, he's 70, and he was a good player. Um, he had a tryout with the Expos as a ball player. Um, he uh, played with Baltimore Clippers at Salt Lake City. Um, he had the skill. Um, Don Cherry coached him in Rochester, and Don always said to me, he goes, you know, your brother was a lot more talented than you were, but he didn't like criticism. (laughs) And that's pretty much what it was. And uh, my brother along the way, he helped me and said, you know what, do not argue with the coach. Just make, make yourself better, work hard every day, and you know what, good things will happen. So great learning experience. 
And for people that want to know more about your life in hockey, you have a great book, Killer My Life in Hockey, as well as a very cool website with some pretty cool items uh, for purchase. Where's the best place for people to keep up with everything you're up to these days? Well, I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, everything else. And um, I have a, a team that does all that for me. Um, you know, I, again, I'm like everybody else, guys. I'm at home. <laughs> right now I'm in the backyard. Uh, we're going to finish up barbecue and, and just, uh, it's just strange times. And, you know, we all pray that uh, this is going to go away soon and everybody can live their lives back to normal. So it's, uh, it's crazy times. I, 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 the nice thing about it, you saw baseball the other day. I was watching the Yankees and Mets play and exhibition. And now this playoff thing with the, uh, uh, it's going to happen in the NHL. Oh boy, I I can't wait. Six games a day. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to honestly. I might crack open a beer at twelve. <laughs> I might be in bed. I might be in bed at five. So, <laughs> if there was ever a time oh, to be knows? right, if there was ever a time to be unemployed, this is it, man. <laughs> this is silver uh, lining. <laughs> and, you know, again, I, I work for the Leafs kind of as ambassador. So, again, I don't know what's going on, and I'm not going to the games. I'm not. Part of that, it's just I'm a fan to start with, and um, I can't wait. It's just going to be so exciting. And I tell you what, just my idea of it, I think the teams that are the youngest are going to win. It's going to be so exciting. Doug, thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for an amazing 20 years giving your all. And I guess this is probably the, the best compliment I can give you as a, a longtime Rangers season ticket holder. I hated you as a player. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're one. You're like after my 20 year career, Marcus. It's the same thing. I thought my name was Boo at the end of the day, so I had to go through therapy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the evening with your family and your barbecue. And thanks so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. My pleasure, guys. You got thanks, it. The, Mark. You yeah. got it. The one and only killer, Doug Gilmore.